Hello and welcome to Grade 7's Talk to Expert, a podcast where Grade 7 students talk to experts and find out more about their specialty. I'm your host for this episode, Cohen, and I am a student at College Park School in Lloyd Minster, Alberta. Before we get to our expert for this episode, I just want to share a little bit about who we are and what we will be doing in our podcast. We are a class of 25 grade seven students in a non-traditional classroom setting where we are focusing on experiential learning using a STEAM approach. That STEAM, that which stands for science, technology, engineering, onto and math. We want to answer that age-old question of why do I have to learn this by directly? Connecting what we study inside the classroom with the world outside the school. For our podcast, students will be contacting an expert in their lives This person could be an expert in their profession or job, or what could truly be considered a hobby or interest. So without further ado, I'm pleased to introduce our expert for this episode, who is an expert on computer programming, Jeff Hardeman. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Let's get to know you by, please tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Cohen's uncle. My name is Jeff Halderman. I live in Regina, Saskatchewan, and I work for a company called the Cooperators Life Insurance Company. Um, Our company sells, obviously, life insurance, but we sell all sorts of different insurance products. Um, Yeah, I have three daughters. Uh, I like playing sports. I'm very... have lots of lots and lots of hobbies. One of them being programming. How many people were in your family growing up? Um, how many people were in my family growing up? I think you should. I, th- I think you probably know how many people were in my family growing up, Cohen. Yes. Um, just me and my sister, my mom and dad, and we didn't. When when I was growing up, we didn't have many pets. But I remember us having a goldfish. I don't remember what the goldfish's name was. And that's about all the only people that were in my family growing up. What is your family like now? Yeah, so I mentioned I have three daughters, Heidi, Carly, and Katie. They're 8, 10, and 12. Um, I'm, I actually got divorced about five years ago, so it's just me and them. I have them every second every second week so i so i have them with me every second week um we're really busy we have lots of sports that we're going to all the time um yeah just life is very busy so what my family is like now it's just a it's just a blur most of the time going what do you do for fun yeah i love sports i love like i said for fun most of the, most of the time, I'm, my fun now is watching my kids play sports and do their activities. But I, I love sports. I like to golf. I in the summer I try and golf as much as I can. Um, I I love technology. So if I can buy new technology and, and play around with it, 
I like to do that. Cohen, when you were here for Christmas, you saw I have a brand new fancy computer. Um, so I bought that, but I don't actually use it very much. So my kids use it to play Roblox more than I use it to do do anything on. Yeah, I have a PS5. Um, we have all sorts of gaming consoles at our house. Uh, I like to go up to the cabin. Cohen, Cohen you were just at the cabin. Um, it's fun up there in the winter. Lots of snowmobiling, although I don't get to do that very often anymore. Um, but in the summer, we like to fish and water ski, um, four-wheel, kind of just like to be out in nature. Where did you live as a kid, and what was that like? I lived in a town called Humboldt, Saskatchewan. It had about 5,000 people. Um, now that I live in Regina, which is quite a bit larger, the things that you notice or you remember from Humboldt were you could ride your bike anywhere in town. Um, you didn't you didn't have to worry about traffic too much. As a kid, you could you could pretty much go on any road in the city. I had a friend that lived out on an acreage when I was young, and we it was maybe five kilometers from my house, maybe a little bit more. Um, but you, we would bike out there. We would bike back to my house. It's just some, not something that's normal. in Reg If you live in Regina or in a bigger city, it's not something you would normally be doing. It's biking along the highway to your friend's house. Uh, what else was Humboldt like? It was, it was really good. Most people, you, you knew most people in, in the town. Um, whereas in the city, you just kind of know the people that you've met through work and sports and everything else. But in Humboldt, you knew most of the people that lived there. What was school like when you were a kid? Yeah, so I, when, when I was a kid, what was school like? <laughs> I liked I liked the end of the school day when the bell rang and I got to go play with my friends is what I remember most for what I liked at school as a kid. Um, but generally, I, I can remember my teachers, quite, quite a few of my teachers that had impacts on my life. Um, school, I don't know if school is much different now than it was when I was a kid, but... Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what else I remember from school, Cohen. What do you remember about grade seven? What do you remember about grade seven? So in grade seven, one thing I remember, I don't know, I think this might have been grade eight, but it was either grade seven or grade eight. I was, um, my... My principal, who was also my math teacher at the time, she had a, a competition throughout the year to see who could improve the most at, at math, with their math. And I think it was with their math, but also how neatly they wrote their math out and how, how carefully and how readable your answers were. And I ended up, and whoever won that ended up getting to go for lunch with the principal at, I think it was Kentucky Fried Chicken or Dairy Queen, one of the two places. Maybe it was KFC. Anyway, so I ended up winning that, and I, I remember being pretty proud that I won it. I also remember being fairly nervous that I had to go for lunch with my principal and talk to talk to her for, I don't know, half an hour to an hour, however long it was. Um, but I ended up going, and we got there, and I remember I felt like the conversation was a little awkward to start, but by the end it was fine. Um, 
but it was a great experience and I'll, that's one thing I'll never forget about school. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about computer programming. Yeah, so I was going to show you a demo and we actually, for everybody that's listening, we did this once already and it didn't get recorded. Um, so we're redoing some of these questions. Um, but I'll just tell you a little bit about what my team does for computer programming. We're, our my team is called, or what we work with is something called robotics process automation. And we take like little tasks that people do day to day, every day in their jobs. And we automate that so they don't have to do those parts of their jobs, especially if they're like, um, more boring tasks, let's, let's say. So things people don't really want to be doing, we try and automate that for them. So I did have a demo that I was going to show you, but instead I'll just explain to you like some an application of something that, that we could do at work with, with what I work on. So you could, you could imagine you have a, you could imagine that you have a math worksheet that you have to do and it's in a PDF um, and you've got it sitting on your desk and all the words are there. And what you could do with that is you could take it and scan it into the computer. And then what we do, what my team does is we create automations that in this instance would actually read all the questions on the page. It'd be able to determine what type of question it was, whether it was multiplication or division um, or who knows what else. And then we would be able to answer those questions and then output the answers to whatever format we needed to output it to. Um, so that's just one example of the type of computer programming we do at work, but but you can, there's such a wide range of applications for computer programming. You can write games, you can write um, actual programs that help help out different, different organizations. Um, I used to write software that, actually I used to work for the school division before this, and I wrote software that helped them, the administrators determine whether or not kids' marks or kids' um, behaviors at school were starting to like, tail off and maybe maybe they were maybe there were reasons for that and it would help to it would help to point out who was who was having trouble at school maybe a little bit earlier than you might otherwise notice um yeah before before that job i worked for a company that wrote wrote event management software and what that was um was say a I'm trying to think of a good example like a hotel that has conference rooms um i know we were just at a hockey tournament for cohen last weekend and they had part of their part of their hotel had a bunch of rooms in it that people would have meetings at so we wrote software at that company i worked for we wrote software that would help them schedule that and keep track of who was coming to their conference and who was who was presenting and maybe where they were staying and maybe if they needed right i might ask gwen to come up and tell her question Okay. Thank you. Um, hello, my name is Gwen. Hi, Gwen. And my question is, how old were you when you learned how to code? Ooh, yeah. So I probably didn't learn to code until I was 21. I was, um, I was, originally when I went to school, I didn't think I was going to school to become a developer. I thought I was going to school to become like a advertising I was going to go into commerce and get into advertising. And I just, just how my life worked out, I ended up as a computer programmer. So I didn't write any code until I was probably 21.
Thank you. Good question. What does a typical day look like for you? So now, since I've been doing this for so long, I don't actually write a lot of code anymore. I, I for the most part, help other people write, write code. So a typical day for me involves a lot of meetings and a lot of discussions with newer members of my team, um, helping them come up with algorithms and, and solving problems that they may have. So my, my typical day is a lot of phone conversations. Um, and I have great people I work with, and it's just I really enjoy my days. I really enjoy helping other people out. Um, so I have great days, but that's what they look like. Lots of conversations, lots of meetings. Did you use computers as a kid, and what was that like? Yeah, so growing up, my dad, he also liked technology. Um, and we had... We were one of the only people I know at the time that had a computer. We had an Apple, it was called an Apple IIe, and I think that computer was probably built in 1983 or 1984. Um, we had it for 10 years in our house. Um, but I used that computer growing up, and I, actually I did a little bit of research on, on the difference between an Apple IIe and a modern computer that we would use today. And so one thing I one thing I looked into is Apple IIe's had four bit color. So that means that they could display sixteen different colors um, in total on the screen. So if you think about that, if, if and most of the time it was sixteen different shades of green or gray. It wasn't like sixteen colors like red, blue, yellow. It was just shades of one color. Um, computers these days are twenty four bit color. And that means they have 16,777,216 different colors that they can use when they're displaying on the screen. So computers were not the same as they are today. Your phones or your tablets are much more powerful computers than our home computer was when I was growing up. Um, now they talk about you have 32 gigabytes of RAM. Back, back then, you were lucky if you had one megabyte around, and a gigabyte is a thousand megabytes around. So, like, I think our computer might have 64 kilobytes, and there's a about a thousand kilobytes in a megabyte. So, if we're talking, that's like a million times more computing power than, than back when I was a kid, these new computers have. So, they've come so far, um, they're not even comparable. What we had then was basically just a typewriter. I got a fancy screen I'm now ask Brody to ask you a question. Hi, I'm Brody, and my question is, what's the hardest part of programming a computer? Oh, the hardest part? That's a good question. That's a tricky one. Um, I think the hardest part is you always run across problems that don't have easy solutions. Um, and so trying to come up with those solutions is definitely the hardest part when, when the problem is complex and there's not an easy answer that comes to you right away. So that would be the hardest part. Okay, thank you. You're welcome, Rory. Have there been a time that you felt down as a computer programmer? Yeah, so I think it actually like relates to Brody's question a little bit. So. When you when you're 
programming, you can kind of think of it as you're doing a puzzle. You're trying to solve a problem, and you don't always the answers aren't always right in front of you. So you can think about a frustrating day when I'm when I'm programming and I have a frustrating day. It would be when actually I keep looking over there because my daughter has a um, a puzzle on the table she's working on. It's a Harry Potter puzzle, I think. Um, but so imagine she was doing that puzzle and she got to the end of it and she's missing five pieces. A frustrating day as a computer programmer is very similar to that because you, you work all day on a problem, you think you find it that it almost solved and you get to the end, and all of a sudden you can't you can't find those last few pieces to put into your puzzle. And so that can really get get make you feel a little bit down about computer programming. Now the way to deal with that is Oftentimes, if you take a step back and, and you give yourself some time, you'll actually come up with the answer by the time you go back and work on it the next day. So, so definitely a few times where it's very frustrating and you feel down, but over time I've learned how to deal with those and I don't really have, there's not a lot of frustration that I run into anymore. Though. Can you tell us about a time when you were not sure for yourself? But you tried anyways and gave your all. Yeah, um, I think there's lots and lots of times where I'm not sure about myself. I don't know if there's any one specific example I have, but there's all sorts of times where I'm not quite sure if what if what I think we should be doing is right um, or what I'm planning on doing is right. And and what I like to do in those situations is ask other people around me and have conversations and discuss the problems with other people. Um, and if you still can't come up with an answer that you're sure of, um, then you just then you just commit to what you want what you want to try. You try it, and if it doesn't work out, you learn from it, and, and you do better the next time. So there's lots of times where I'm not sure of myself, but I also. I'm also pretty sure that I will always learn as long as I'm learning from my mistakes and, and trying my best, then I don't worry too much about that. In your opinion, in your opinion, what makes someone an expert? And do you think you consider yourself an expert? Oh, what, so what makes somebody an expert? You would have, somebody to be an expert, you have to have a very wide range of knowledge on a subject plus a very in-depth amount of knowledge on a subject. So, do I consider myself an expert? Um, I've been doing this a long time and I know quite a bit about technology at this point and about software development. The problem in my field is uh, technology changes all the time. It's always changing. What I worked on when I started my career isn't what I'm working on now. So. It's really tough to be an expert in in computers and like IT because it's just so constantly changing. I think I'm a if I'm an expert in anything, I think it's probably an expert at problem solving um, because that's a that's a skill set that you don't have to keep learning. But in my industry, it's very tough to continue to be an expert without. I mean, it's tough to ever be an expert because it changes so often. I'm going to ask Julia to ask you a question. Um, hi, my name is Julia, and I was wondering why you wanted to become a computer programmer. 
Yeah, so I always loved I always loved technology. Um, originally, like I said before, I wasn't my plan to actually get into computer programming, but I always loved technology. I loved computers, and I probably I probably at some point in time thought I would write computer games and, and actually develop those. Um, and then once you actually get into the real world, you realize that there's very few jobs that that involve writing computer games. I do have a few friends that do it, but um, so that maybe is what got me into it. I've always loved technology, and this just kind of part of that. Okay, thank you. Thank you for your question. Do you think failure has to do with success? Also, when did you fail, and how did it help you? That's that's a great question, Cohen. Um, failure you can't be very successful if you don't fail. Uh, and, and there's varying levels of failure, but I would say that you fail almost on a daily basis. At some point in the day, you might not do something that is was the best decision. And the key, the key to being successful is learning from your failures and actually becoming better and trying not to repeat the same failure more than once. We were working on a project this last, I guess the last few months here, it was supposed to be done at the beginning of December. And we're just getting it done today, actually. So you can see that we're a month and a half behind on that project. And so that wasn't a, that wasn't much of a success. That was mostly a failure, but we, there, was, there were reasons why we took an extra month and a half, and we sat down as a team and talked about why why that didn't get done sooner. And we've already started to apply some of the things we found to make us better moving forward. So we may be we may be if we didn't fail on the project like we did, we might have continued to do things that weren't quite as, as that weren't as quite of there is quite bit of a way to do them. And we maybe wouldn't have become as successful as we will as a result of failing. So failure is a good thing. You just have to learn from your failures and you have to and you have to improve yourself as a result of that. Tell us about someone. Oh. Tell us about someone who you looked up to when you were younger. Yeah, so I I think somebody I looked up to when I was younger is Colin Grandpa and my dad. Um, he he was just a very very good person. Um, he was nice to everybody. He was kind. He never had any prejudice towards anyone. Um, he's just just a great, great person. Him and I were very much different when it came to it. A lot of things. He's very book smart. Um, he was good at school. He was, um, you know, I could ask him. I could ask him. I could pick a word out of the dictionary and I could say, "Dad, what does this mean? And how do you spell it?" And there was very, there was hardly a word in the entire dictionary that he wouldn't be able to give me the definition and the spelling of. Um, if you asked me to do that, I'd probably get your first five out of six words wrong. <laughs> so we were, we were very different, but but there's so many things that are respectable about that. Later, later in his life, my dad became a judge, and so he had a job where he was quite it was quite an important job. But the way he lived, and I have a few that I like to live by, um, and this kind of sums up dad to a team. It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. And that's kind of how I live my life, or I try to live my life, is be nice to everybody. 
Um, it's great if you're important also, but that's not the, that's not the key to life. The key is just being nice to everybody, being a good person. I will now open the mic to anybody that has a question. Hello, my name is Liam, and we can see you're at home right now. Is that because of COVID, or is your job one you can do from home normally? Yeah, that's a good question, Liam. So my job before this, I probably could have done it from home, but, but it wasn't something oh, I was oh, yeah. allowed to do. So due to COVID, we all moved in. Within a week of COVID starting, my entire company moved to work from home. That's, we have 9,000 people or so that work for our company. So that's a lot of people that started working from home. Um, and now we've learned that it is fairly easy to work from home. Now, there's some problems with working from home, like you don't get to see a lot of other people. Um, and so there are some issues with it. Uh, and we, we as a company, we still have a good deal of problem. Okay, bye. <laughs> Hello, it's Breton, and I was wondering, do you need to be good at anything other than mathematics and science to be good at programming? Yeah, actually, so I think I think for any job, communication and being good at communicating is the key to be successful. So communication is always important, specifically for programming. Um, you need to be really good at problem solving. That's probably the main skill you have to have is you're going to be throwing all sorts of problems that you don't have the answer to, that nobody has the answer to, that trying to figure out how to solve that answer. So those are a couple of things you need to be very good at. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Tyler. And uh, what app or website or, like, yeah, do you use to learn code? Yeah, so for me, there, there wasn't an Apple website. I, had a, I went to school for it, and I learned how to code in C, Java, um, C Sharp, a whole bunch of different programming languages. So I learned through school, through post-secondary education. I didn't learn through any apps. There, when I was going to school, there weren't such things as like a coding app, so there wasn't even available uh, 20 years ago. Thank you very much. Can I ask you guys a question? What what apps or websites do you use for coding? There's C plus plus. There's Python. There is um, JavaScript. HTML. It's not yeah. really a website, but like I mean. Yeah, you're talking about the language, sure. Yeah. All of those. I worked at all of those. Coding.com. Yeah. Typing actually. Typing.com. Scratch. There's so many resources out there now. Um, for coding, and even for like game development, there is, oh, what's it called? Now I'm not going to remember, but there's some neat, there's some neat like coding environments that develop games, and as well as how you get you started. Yeah. Thank you again. You're welcome. Hi, my name is Brett, and I was wondering, what's your favorite language of code to use? Yeah, so I love working in C Sharp. Uh, I've been working within C Sharp or Visual Studio um, and uh, .NET products, I guess. Uh, so I've been working in them for the last about 10 years, and I really like working in them. They're easy to work in. Um, but, but in general, once you learn how to code, the language doesn't matter as much. So uh, if I have to jump to another language and code in a different language, either than 
Other than learning syntax in that language, I wouldn't really bother me. I would be more than comfortable to do it in any language that I have to do. Okay, thank you. Hi, it's Julia again. Um, what are some dangers of technology that you can foresee we will have to deal with in the future? Ooh, that's a tricky question. Um, yeah, so technology ends up, ends up, and actually even my team, we end up automating a whole bunch of things that people at one point in time knew how to do. So if we continue to have technology take over some of these tasks um, and perform them and people lose the ability to actually do them themselves and then our technology fails, sometimes there might be a risk that somebody doesn't know how to um, perform a job within our organization that we are now automating because, because it's been so long since anybody had to do that. So there is a definite risk. Technology definitely has some risks associated with it. And as, a, as an organization, we have to always be wary of those risks and take steps to prevent them um, from, from becoming like a reality or an actual thing that happens. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hi, hi, I'm Jackson. And my question is, how has technology changed over your career? And can you give us some examples? Yeah, so, well, uh, this wouldn't be my career, but first example would be that computer example. Like I said, computers have got extremely more powerful, um, and they can process so much more in a short amount of time. But we watched that little application I wrote there, and it, it did all of that math faster than I can snap my fingers. So technology is getting a lot faster. You're able to process a lot more in a shorter amount of time. Um, you, can, you can think about computer screens and how fast like refresh rates um, the hardware and computers is so much faster they just keep getting I, I keep thinking I don't see how they can improve and then they continue to improve so technology's really changed over 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 time even within computer programming um, if you guys know anything about it or as you get older you might learn about this in programming but there's object oriented languages and there's non object oriented languages and I won't get into the difference but but old languages are so much different than new languages that a lot of new developers wouldn't even be able to code in an old programming language because they've changed so much. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thank Hi, my name is Eli, and my question is, um, what kind of things do you program for fun? You know what, Eli, I don't program anything for fun anymore because I spend so much time on my computer during the day that the last thing I want to do when I have when I have time to myself is, is program more at night. So I don't program a lot of things for fun other than little applications to show you guys how I can do your homework for you. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm really not somebody that, that does it for fun anymore. Maybe earlier in my career, I would make little games, but I don't do that anymore. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Have you ever made any games of, like with coding? Yeah, so the only game I've really, the only real game I've ever made is I made like a little, and this would be back when I was in school. Um, so I made a little tank game where you would shoot like you have two tanks on the screen and they shoot at each other, you have to put in the coordinates and, and like how hard, how far you want to shoot and then you, you either blow up this tank or you wouldn't. So I, I wrote a game like that, but no, I haven't done, I haven't done much, much game development. But I've got a few friends that have, like, you know, I have one friend that worked on the Need for Speed franchise. Um, 
which is kind of cool, right? Yeah. Okay, bye. Actually, so need for speed, a lot of that's done over in Vancouver, right? And then there are a few applications, um, there are a few teams that write applications in Saskatoon, like Super Stickman Golf. Have you ever downloaded that app on your phone? Yes. That's from Saskatoon. So, I know a few people that write games, but I don't. Okay, bye. Um, I'm Aiden, and what's the best thing to code? What's the what are the best things to code? You know what? Now, where I'm at right now is the best things to code are, are things that are programs that that help other people improve their day. So we write all sorts of little automations for different teams around our organization, and anytime I can write something that um make somebody smile when they see it run because they no longer have to do something they didn't like doing in the first place. That's, those are the best things that I like to code. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Hello, it's Breton again. And how much post-secondary schooling did you have to do to become a computer programmer? Yeah, so I, I spent, uh, well, so actually just two years. So I went to what is now South Polytech and I took a computer program course there, which was two years long. I also have done the first few years of university um, computer programming as well, but, but you just I just needed the two years of schooling. Thank you. You're welcome. Hello, my name is Gwen, and have you ever thought of programming like actual robots? Yeah, so that would be really fun, um, but it would require a lot of my time, and I've got three children who also require a lot of my time and so I just don't have I don't have a lot of time to commit to doing something like that but, but when you start to think about um, how you could do it and how it would work and how you send those messages to the different hardware components of those robots um, it would be really neat to do so maybe one day I wouldn't mind just playing around with that um, if I was ever going to spend time outside of my own job coding it would be to do something like that definitely so is it any different from like those little robots in the computer? No, really when you're, when you're programming, there is no difference. The only difference is you need the, like, you guys know what I'm talking about when I say hardware, right? So you need the wheels or you need whatever's gonna make that robot move, right? So you have to have all those components, um, but the programming would be identical. It would be, I mean, if you've done it before, it's different else, it's, it's loops, what, do, do this while this, um, that's what programming is. So it wouldn't be much different from a programming perspective at all. Thank you. You're welcome. Hello, it's me again, and I only have two more questions for you. <laughs> that's great. What are some, <clears throat> sorry, what are some tests that you do to make sure a computer is running like it's supposed to? Yeah, you know what? So I guess tests that we do is every time we write any type of code, we always, my team will always have a test associated with it. So if we're writing a function or a method that's that's going to do like that calculation on that NASH sheet. Now I didn't write tests for that because I was just doing that to show you guys. But if we were doing that as part of our job, we would have a test that, that had um, the input and we'd have what the expected output of the test is. And so what if we've done running, we would the input against the output, and if it doesn't match, then we know that we messed something up when we're coding it. So we write tests for everything. 
Thank you. And um, about how many people are in a team or squad? Yeah, so on, on my team, uh, there are five of us. We have an IT within the cooperators just in Regina. There's about 150 people. And with the IT within the cooperators across the whole country, there's about 900 people. So there are a lot of people on our IT team at my company. But my own individual team is just about five developers. And where are you guys like located? Yeah, in Regina, Saskatchewan. Um, so that's where I work, but then I work with people from Guelph, Ontario. I work with people from Calgary. I work with people all the way out of Brunswick. Uh, and I work with lots of these people on a daily basis. And it's really neat. That's a neat part of my job is I get to become friends with people from all across the country. Um, and it's, it's amazing as you become friends with them to see how similar we are as just a nation everywhere. Everybody is very similar. Everybody's friendly and it's just a great experience working with them all. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Those are great questions, by the way. I'm impressed with all your questions. That was the last question from the floor, so we're going to wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to share? I don't think there's much else I no, I don't think there's much else I want to share. I'm really happy that you invited me to do this call and this was a lot of fun. I hope you guys have maybe learned something. Um, maybe when you're older you can come work for the cooperators with a great company. Do you wanna finish it up? Yeah. Same. So my company time, I gotta put in a plug for the <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Jeff. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. We learned a lot about programming. Thank you to my classmates for the questions, and thank you to listeners. Have a great day, and tune in for the next episode. We'd love to hear from you. Send your questions, show ideas, or any other feedback to talkingtoexperts at gmail.com.